We are all born as fighter jets where we know what we want, we scream and fight to get it, and we're curious about exploring. That's all a fighter jet is, is someone who is definitive in their purpose. Welcome to Playmakers. I'm your host, Paul Epstein, 15-year NFL and NBA business exec and best-selling author of The Power of Playing Offense. In my journey, I have discovered that there are two types of people in this world. The difference between elite performers and the rest of the pack, or what I like to call those that play offense versus those that play defense. Defense always on their heels, offense on our toes. Defense playing not to lose, offense playing to win. Defense, the market dictates the terms. Offense, we operate on our terms. Playing with purpose, playing with passion, and taking control of our future. So now, the question is, how do you want to play? And here on the Playmakers Podcast, we play offense 10 out of 10 times. As we ramp up toward today's episode, pull out your notepad so you can capture all the action so we can make plays and level up together. Playmakers, it's about that time to welcome Bedros Koulian into the conversation. Bedros is a true rags-to-riches story of a self-made entrepreneur who escaped communism, came to the United States, ate out of dumpsters, and has since built several multi-million dollar brands and businesses, leading him to be a four-time Inc. 500 CEO and Wall Street Journal best-selling author of Man Up. Odds are you've seen his international franchise, Fit Body Bootcamp, in your town, or his clients on hit TV shows featured on ABC, NBC, and on top of the New York Times bestseller list. I hope you're as fired up for the conversation with Bedros as I am. And as a reminder, many of the key takeaways of today's show can be found in the show notes on PlaymakersPod.com. With that, let's welcome Bedros Koulian into the Playmakers Podcast. Bedros, welcome to Playmakers. How are we doing? Thanks for having me, Paul. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, of course, of course. Now we're fired up to dive deep into your world and look, whether our Playmaker community is getting to know you or just catching up on the latest, for those that are just tapping into your world, we all know that there is an origin story. Sure. When we tap into your life, we understand where you come from geographically, kind of the journey to the state. So walk us through those earliest points because everything I know is give or take, fact check me, six years old, $200, family comes over. So hit us with some of those yeah. details of those early days. Yeah, you know, the, the best way for me to break this down for your audience is that I'm a really, really, really lucky dude. And I say that because I kind of see myself as a Cinderella man. Mm. Um, I'm supposed to be in Armenia, probably driving a taxi or working as a mechanic. But instead, in 1980, when I was six years old, my dad, who was a member of the Communist Party, decided that we're going we're gonna to escape mm. the Soviet Union. And so we, we made the great escape, my, myself, my mom, my dad, and my older brother and sister. So I was the smallest one in the family, yeah. six years old. 
And uh, dude, we went to we we escaped into Italy because they're communist sympathizers. So it was an easy okay. way to say, hey, we're going on vacation to Italy. Of course, we never went back. We within ten days, we were in the American consult. My dad was like, hey, I'm a I'm a member of the Communist Party, and I denounce communism, and we want to enter the United States legally. What do we need to do? So we spent the time to do the necessary paperwork and entered legally. Uh, June 16th, 1980. Um, at that point, we were poor, we were broke, and there was a difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being poor is, is a state of mind. Being broke, um, you and I could one day be broke again if we decide to make a wrong financial decision. It's just a bank account thing. That's a bank account That's thing. It. That's exactly what it is. And so one day, uh, I may make a bad business call and be broke. Uh, and I can get wealthy again, uh, but I'll never be poor again mm. uh, because it's a state of mind. And a poor state of mind is a very poor place to be. So, <clears throat> you know, didn't understand the language, didn't speak the language, didn't understand the culture. Um, we lived in Section 8 housing, just all, everything that you would imagine an immigrant would go through. Mm. And this country was so good to us. Uh, because my dad was able to find a job delivering newspapers mm-hmm. at two in the morning. And then he found another job on top of that, pumping gas after delivering newspapers. And then in the evenings, he found another job um, as a kind of a bus boy or a busman at a pizzeria. Mm. Like, what a great country that you could have three jobs, <laughs> right? And very quickly, my older brother, older sister, they each found jobs. And, and we were able to get ourselves out of Section 8 housing and get our own little apartment. And that kind of grew into my dad opening up a tiny little tailor shop because he was a, he was a tailor by trade. Mm-hmm. And uh, so with, by, by year five, by 1985, he had a tiny little tailor shop in Anaheim, California. And um, the thing he told me was, um, you know, was so long as you serve this country and, and, and the people in it, um, the country will serve you well. Mm. And so he said, get rid of your accent, learn the language, assimilate, understand the culture, be a part of the culture. And so, you know, I blindly followed my dad's um, wishes for me because he was like, we could have a better life, especially you being the younger one, right? Mm. My brother's 14 years older, my sister's 16 years older, so. So you still had a lot of life ahead. They did as well, but you definitely had more trajectory. Exactly, exactly. I got to assimilate easier into Mm -hmm. the culture versus where they came here, you know, they were 19 and 21. Uh, You could imagine a bit of a culture shock, right? For sure. And so, um, dude, that's exactly what I did. And sometimes I think it's just like, you know, I blindly followed my dad's wishes because I trust my dad. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing leads to another. I certainly had my challenges and my adversities and like any, I guess, success story would. We all kind of look at the successful people as like, how do they own the, the cars, the mansions, the jets or the boats, whatever it is that people own and how do they do all these things? It's like an iceberg. What we see at the top on social media is the tip of that iceberg. It's the, the decades of suffering and adversity and setbacks and near divorces and mm. man, almost losing your, <laughs> losing your mindset to build that level of impact and to become the person that you're called to be. Yes. Like I know I'm called to be a certain person to help humanity. Uh, and every day I work to become that person more and more. And my wife says it best. She says, with every level of growth uh, towards our goal, if it's a mountain, imagine there's a new level mm. on that mountain. There's a bear that is des- by design 
that bear is there by design to test you mm. and to go, Paul, do you really want to be that guy? And you're like, yes, I do. Then the bear goes, all right, I'm faster, I'm stronger, I'm more intuitive than the previous bear that you faced. Mm. So if you want to experience another, another level of personal development and impact, you're going to have to go through me. And that bear shows up by way of economic downturn, competition, uh, about a coronavirus, you know, yeah. I'm the CEO fit body bootcamp, man, an international fitness franchise, gyms all over the world. <laughs> and then all of a sudden 2020 comes, March comes, and I have to announce to all my franchise owners that guys, uh, let's shut down for two weeks because we have a social obligation and duty because of this coronavirus. Well, and then you fast forward 18 months and you see like 200 franchise locations shut down and you go, what the hell is happening to my brand? And, and then when you get the full picture, you go, was this necessary? But that's the bear, the bear, so that I can continue to climb to the next level. I don't, I, I don't, I don't hold it against the bear. The bear is doing its thing. Does that yeah. make sense? Like 100%. you need resistance to grow. If you go to the gym, you're gonna work out, you yeah. need the heavy weights to grow the muscles, you need resistance to grow. And so um, I've dealt with resistance since the day we've come to this country, uh, from being told to go back to your own effing country, you effing foreigner, uh, beat up, bullied, whatever. And so each level of resistance has given me a new level of resilience, and that's how I've become the Cinderella man. Well, as a Cinderella man, and I love this, so we're gonna get into the pride of authorship because you, like I, we actually have a lot more in common via that piece because I've heard, A, you wrote the book that you did not have, right? It was that playbook you did not mm -hmm. have. It. I've heard you say it was almost a decade too late, but hey, never too late to do the right thing to help people and serve to Amen. level up. Now, one thing is, so the power of playing offense, my audience knows, came out earlier this year. Five pillars, very similar to Man Up, which if you have not read this, please pick it up. It will transform your life. Your first pillar is about leadership, yep. as is mine. It is self-leadership. So before we lead others, we must first lead ourselves. And I anchor that on purpose. We're going to come back to purpose. Pillar two, and this is where I want to dive deeper with you. I call it be the storm chaser. So too often in life, 2020 being the perfect example, dude, people retreat. Mm -hmm. They get in their cocoon, they play it safe, they fail to grow in the times where there is less traffic on the road. Because as others retreat, we have a greater opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I now wanna know, I've never heard it put this way, and kudos uh, to your wife. Uh, apparently she came up with a bear analogy, yes? Yeah. Okay. What were those biggest bears in childhood, teenage years, kind of just those earlier formative days? Because here you are chiseled, the man that you are, but you have gone through some shit, my friend. Mm -hmm. So what were those bears during those earlier times? Yeah, now, now to that point, some bears kind of show up by way of uh, a harsh life. Like yeah. the human condition is, 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 is really harsh when you think about it, yeah. man. Like I'm, I'm teaching my son who's 16 now to drive mm -hmm. And um, I'm like, hey son, isn't it funny? You're in, you're in, you're in a 3,000 pound vehicle. You're driving it. You've got me and you in here. And uh, it's just that line that separates the oncoming traffic from you. Mm. He's like, holy crap, dad, you're right. He goes, I could run right into them. They could run into me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, life is pretty chaotic. Uh, but we decide that we are going to conform to a set of, set of rules and standards, and that line is one of those rules and standards that I'll be on one side and you'll be on the other so mm -hmm. we don't crash. 
but we also see how lunatics and crazy people do crazy shit. No doubt. And so sometimes the bear shows up because of just the dark side of humanity. Uh, but I believe that's purposeful as well. And I'll give you an example. Uh, between the ages of four and six uh, in Armenia, <clears throat> I was molested by two older boys. And um, no one should have to go through that. I would never want my son or daughter to have to go through that. Yeah. Um, yet, fast forward 30 some odd years now, I'm grateful for what that built into me. Mm. And it built a superpower into me that helped me really get even greater clarity on the man I'm supposed to become. All my life, in my 20s and 30s, men were attracted to me by way of wanting to be my friends, work out with me, uh, work for me, start businesses with yeah. me. I never really understood why, because I never really see myself as anyone special. I'm truly not anyone special. But what I found is I've got a massive amount of compassion and empathy towards men who are suffering mm. in silence. And uh, the reason being is because I was that guy. You know, yeah, something there's very- There's healing going yeah. on too. Mm -hmm. And they see that, and so I found, and, and in fact, again, going back to my wife, who's very intuitive, uh, <laughs> As, as, as you know, when we met and she saw the kind of the people around me and how these guys were attracted to me and wanted to work out with me and work for me and work in my department because we both worked at LA Fitness uh, together, my wife and I, she was a personal trainer as well. And um, as we got married and she's kind of saw the lay of the land, she goes, you know, you're the Pied Piper of broken men. I'm like, you know what? I think you're right. Hmm. And had I not been molested, had I not done the self-healing, the realizing that I'm not broken, I'm not unlovable, I'm not uh, uh, trash, because that's how I felt in the beginning. Yeah. When something like that happens to you, 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 you carry all this weight. Um, I also felt like I had all this rage in me, which, mm -hmm. um, you know, you have this rage because you're just like, why didn't anyone f stop that, Yeah. right? Uh, shame, how could this have happened? I'm so embarrassed. Confusion, what, what did I do to make this happen? Could I have done something different and avoided this? And you hold all that. But as you heal through it, I think people can sense that maybe you've gone through something similar to them. Mm. No words have to be exchanged. Maybe it's how I carry myself. Maybe it's how I engage with these men. Uh, and it certainly wasn't an obvious attempt on my part, but um, they were attracted to me. And so that, that very awful traumatic experience that happened to me as a young boy, as I healed through it, and the secret here is healing through your trauma, healing through the adversity, healing through the suffering. Mm -hmm. uh, no difference than if we break your arm, Paul, and we never put in a cast, and we constantly shake your hand every day so that it never heals, you'll always be in pain. Yeah. If we cast your arm and let it heal for six or eight weeks, that bone will be more calcium dense than the other areas of your body. It will actually physically be a stronger piece of bone. Healing is what needs to happen. And so it started off between the ages of four and six. I was molested over and over again by these two older boys. Then we come to the United States and now I, all I hear from my mom and dad is we keep running out of money before we run out of month. And the neighbors keep telling us to go back to your own effing country, you're foreigners, you're taking our jobs. Yep. 
Uh, I get beat up at schools. We get kicked out of apartment complexes because we can't pay our portion of the Section 8 housing rent. And so I go to three elementary schools, two junior highs, two high schools. And so all those things are adversity. And then uh, Mrs. Boyer in 11th grade slams me against the wall in, in class and says, you need to go into the Marine Corps when you leave high school because they're the only ones that can set you straight. You're a big fuck up. Wow. Okay, so I get out of high school the next year in 1993 and uh, go right over to the Marine Corps recruiting station. And they go, hey, you've got flat feet, so we're not gonna take you into the Marine Corps. I'm like, yeah, but Mrs. Boyer said. So then I start getting into trouble. I start stripping down cars, carjacking people uh, for money, uh, all the wrong things to do, get involved in police helicopter chases. I became a very bad human being. Wait, say that I, again, a police helicopter chase? Yeah, and I wasn't in the police helicopter, I was driving the getaway car, yeah. So, you know, here huh. in California, we're known for the- Common story, yeah, continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. California is known <laughs> for the police helicopter chases. Well, I, I kind of set the As long as there was high. no white Bronco or nothing right. like no, that. No, yeah. no, 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 OJ, OJ, OJ did the low speed, I did the high speed. Uh, chase, but um, I obviously got caught and, and well-deserved. So all those things are adversity, whether it was self-imposed by just being a knucklehead and doing harm to people's car, and therefore karmic justices, the police are gonna chase you, they're gonna pull you over, and they're gonna pull you out of the car and stomp on the back of your neck. Um, and then you learn stuff from it. Yeah. Again, once you heal, if you choose not to heal and you choose to blame or to avoid and ignore, a lot mm. of people take any kind of traumatic experiences, a divorce, uh, molestation, uh, mental abuse, physical abuse, economic whatever, and say, you know, if that housing market crash didn't happen in 2008, man, I would have still had those 20 homes and I would have had 20 more homes on top of that. Mm. Okay, bro, it happened. It so what are you gonna do about it? Yeah. Are you gonna blame the housing market? Are you gonna blame the banks? Are you gonna blame the president that bailed out the banks? Or are you gonna fucking sit back up on that horse and do something about it? And it's the healing that really creates that highest, next highest level version of ourselves. And I'm just grateful that I've had a lot of bad shit that happened to me. Mm. Some just because humanity sucks and some because I was a knucklehead um, and I did stupid shit yeah. and karma paid its debt. Gotcha. So really fascinating. We could go in so many different directions. Let me say this. And obviously you got super fired up there. And the reason is because I think you and I and probably all playmakers out there, nobody here is trying to pull the victim card. There are so many in this world that there's, there's this woe is me piece. So if that tribe of people is over there, and over here, there is somebody that says, brother, I hear you, I feel you, I too have been through something, whether as extreme or not, because yours is at the depths of extremity. But let's say a more, yeah, a chill version of adversity that somebody needs to go like through some healing. Like a chill molestation. That would be cool. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, but if we were to say see, this. See, it's like when you've been molested, you can pull the molest card. <laughs> and, and then you see me retreating. Yeah. Like, no, nah, let's yeah, not go and there. And then he gets awkward and then I see in his seat. <laughs> Keep this in the video. It's all good. Now we're in the moment. So let me ask you this. If somebody needs to heal tactically, what are a few things that you can share with our audience if healing is necessary, but they don't know the first step and the how? Yeah, well, God, I'm so glad you asked that question because the healing process, your brain actually tries to heal, right? We have two hemispheres of our brain. Yep. And have uh, you may have heard of EMDR. EMDR is a form of therapy where it's bilateral stimulation, tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. Mm. And they put these things in your hands and the tick-tock, tick-tock. Or the therapist might just tap you on the leg, tick-tock, tick-tock. And then they ask you a series of questions in the area that you, you're looking for healing. And then you kind of start kind of using both sides of your brain to process through the trauma. Mm. So the answer is one, 
Most people have started the healing process, but don't follow through. So when you're exercising, doing repetitions, when you're running and you have rhythmic running, you're when you're bicycling, uh, when you're in that creative state where you're using both sides of your brain, you start kind of getting those creative aha moments and solving your problems, right? People go, oh, the gym is so therapeutic. It's because you give your brain an opportunity to start healing. The difference is you don't know how to go all the way because you don't have the entire game plan. Mm. So working with a therapist, now I was willing to, reluctantly, I'm not gonna say I'm like At the this. beginning, reluctant. Mm -hmm. yeah. I was willing to, reluctantly, work with a therapist because Xanax didn't help and I was starting to have anxiety attacks and panic attacks and it was affecting my life and my business. And so I told the doctor, well, the Xanax isn't helping. It stopped the anxiety attacks, but I just have zero creativity. And I need to be creative as a CEO of a major company. And he said, well, have you tried talk therapy? I'm like, I ain't broken, man. <laughs> of course, you know, I didn't want to address what had really happened to me. And so I was plenty broken. Uh, but I went to talk therapy and reluctantly started to go, yes, this is what's happened to me. And we spent the next 16 months unscrambling what I had built up as a mountain in my head of this event that happened, being molested as a kid, and that I broken and unlovable and not worthy and all this stuff, right? And then when we do all those things, by the way, we put all these belief systems in place yeah. that are damaging. Yeah. What we do is we create a glass ceiling on how much love we can get, how much, how fit we can be, how much money and wealth we can have, how much impact we can create. Well, if you can get rid of those toxic negative belief systems and break that glass ceiling, you can drive up mm. your, your health, your fitness, your mindset, your relationship, all of it. And so Dr. Kevin Downing here in Brea uh, was kind enough to work with this knucklehead. And uh, <laughs> the healing starts with a therapist. Uh, your body wants to heal, but you don't necessarily know how to take yourself all the way there. And a therapist is a great place to do it. There's also great books that you could read and then start journaling. Um, uh, the Body Keeps the Score, fantastic book. Outwitting the Devil, yet another fantastic book. How to Do the Work. Um, another great book on self-healing. But at some point, you've got to go to an expert. You would, yeah. right? I mean, if, if you want to get in the best shape of your life, you got to go to a personal trainer. Right. If you want to go from point A to point B in your business, you probably want to hire a business mentor. Mm -hmm. There's no owner's manual that came with this, mm. like with your head and my head. Yeah. Let's go to an expert who can help us get to that place of healing. Um, and before you know it, that mountain on your timeline of life becomes this tiny little speed bump. No different than the time I tore my bicep. No different than the time I stubbed my toe. Yeah. So if I'm hearing you right, and for all playmakers listening in, whether the trauma is big or small, don't go at it alone. Yeah. Uh, cliche, but so true that it takes a village. And sometimes it can be a village of two. Yeah. You and a therapist, you and in business, an executive coach. Right, when you're dealing with mm -hmm. leadership issues, cultural issues, whatever they are, don't go at it alone because the more that you and I play ball by ourselves, man, we're just battling our mind and this right. thing can be vicious. It can be vicious, so how do you unravel it? And sometimes it just, it takes a partner or a tribe to go through that. So let's pivot slightly into, I said we'd come back to purpose. And first I'll share a quick view on how I view purpose and then let's dive in because I think there's a connection in many of our lives between the pain we've been through and the purpose that we can fulfill. And I often do find linkage. So my piece on purpose is in blue skies, it is the North Star. Mm -hmm. 
It is the inspiration. It is our why. But I go through a year personally, like in 2020, where like you, as a thought leader, obviously you're operating, running a business, but like me, we're keynote speakers and we're just out there. There were certain elements of our ecosystem of impact that vanished like that. It's coming back, but it took a pause for sure. sure. The reason I bring this up is I grew tremendously in 2020 because of some opportunities that were taken away overnight, but then I really got to focus on if I'm going to be resilient, if I'm going to show up with greater courage, then I got to believe in the game that I'm playing. Because if purpose is the belief in the game, if I don't give a shit about the game, I ain't going to get up off the mat. But when I believe in the game, it's a lifelong mission, brother. Mm -hmm. 2020 it's done dude it's water under the bridge we're not even out of the storm and i don't give a shit because everything that's exciting is ahead right but i'm also grateful for the rear view mirror as well so that's the connection on purpose so sometimes we have to experience pain in order to put it in perspective so for you how would you describe your greater purpose and fact check this is it connected to some pain that maybe you've been through oh i think I think by definition, it has to be. Mm. Your pain, when healed, is your purpose. Ah. And oftentimes, people just draw the line from, my pain is my purpose. Eh, not quite, buddy. Your pain, when healed, is your purpose. And what do we, as, as people who are okay. you know, speaking from the stage, and any big social media authority will, you know, we teach what we need to learn most, right? No doubt. And so if I know that I had built some limiting belief system in me because of a traumatic experience that had happened, and I'm a man, and therefore here's how it muted my marriage, how it muted my happiness, how it muted my business, how it muted my own personal development and health and fitness. And then when I processed through that trauma and healed, holy cow, every knob turned to 10 Mm. from like a four, right? And so wouldn't I then want to go out and go, hey, bro, you look like you're, you're injured. You're suffering in silence. You're white knuckling <laughs> through life. Can I help you? Yeah. Can I help you? That's exactly how Alcoholics mm. Anonymous started. Bill, whoever, I forget his name. He was an alcoholic, man. He couldn't stay sober if his life depended on it. He got to, so freaking drunk one day. He told his wife, I, I can go more than four days without drinking. And here I am drinking again. I just give up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a drunk the rest of my life. The least I can do is go help others. And watch this. It's going to prove the point that you just made earlier that it takes a tribe. And by the way, his pain was his purpose. Going to prove two points with one story. And so Bill decides that he's going to go and help the wino who's in the gutter. And he's going to go help the guy who's, you know, a functioning alcoholic. He's got a job. He's got a career. But on the weekends, he just gets plastered and just screws things up for him. Shows up to work late on Monday, almost loses his job, but somehow manages to make enough sales to keep his job for another week. And so as he's helping these guys, 16 weeks in, his wife's like, hey, Bill, um, you haven't taken a sip of alcohol for 16 weeks. Mm. And he's like, holy shit, this is the longest I've gone. And the whole idea behind that is that as he was being the sponsor to those guys, holding them accountable, talking to them, helping them process to their pain, when someone's an addict, sex addict, drug addict, alcohol, whatever the addiction is, you show me your addiction, I'll show you someone with trauma. So he went a level deeper, and that's what AA is, isn't it? It's a tribe of people holding each other accountable. The sponsor is not there to hold the new guy accountable. The new guy 
is there to help the sponsors stay sober. It's a self-fulfilling experience, huh. right? And so with that said, so he had discovered that in his attempt to help everybody else around him, and obviously this wino went back to alcohol, so he took that wino, et cetera. He stayed sober for 16 weeks and then decided that sobriety is something that he can do. He's not just this like doomed to alcoholism. And so with that said, healing happens in a tribe because what got us here won't get us there. Like what got me feeling broken and unworthy and all these things is not going to get me to mm -hmm. a place of healing and like, oh my God, I'm a worthwhile human being, right? And so we need someone to go like, hey man, maybe this is why you feel that way. So like when Kevin, my therapist, was like, shame, rage, confusion, I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I'm feeling. He's like, check, yeah. Check, check, and check. Yeah. yeah. Right after about like eight sessions with him, he's like, these are the three things I sense from you. I'm like, yes. He goes, let's talk about the rage. I'm like, well, in Armenia, they call them the babushkas, the grandmas. Like, how come, the, you know, they yell at us little kids and they grab us by the ears when we don't wash our hands, et cetera. And they're not even my fucking grandparents or someone else's grandparents. It's just the village grandparents who look, look after all the kids. Why weren't they looking after me when I was being molested? He goes, well, do you think? they saw? I'm like, shoot, no, they were molesting mm -hmm. me in the carport around the corner. He goes, what do you think they would have done to those two older boys? I'm like, oh, they would have torn them limb to limb. He's like, so do you think you were holding on to all this rage mm -hmm. for no reason? I was like, shit, right? And then we attacked the shame and then we attacked the confusion. And before you know it, those mountains shrink. Yet it's something so simple that I just shared with you in 30 seconds here yeah. that for 30 years I wasn't able to process through. Mm. And so our pain does become our purpose only when healing happens. Only when healed. What if, I'm gonna challenge here, what if I haven't been through something that on a scale of one to 10, uh, 10 being the most intense form of healing required for a circumstance, which I would certainly say, brother, I'm not even doing you a service by saying 10 years is a million. But what if the biggest pain I've been through is a three or a four? Does that have the opportunity from your perspective to turn into purpose or do I literally need to go through something? No, no. Like, I mean, look, if someone's like, look, I've, I'm tired of living in apartments and I just like that, that was the worst of the things that happened. Yeah. They lived in like mediocre apartments, right? They were never molested, beaten, they had two loving parents. Um, but, you know, we always were kind of on the little broke side of things. We didn't necessarily go on big vacations. Yeah. We went whatever, down the street to the lake and, you know, had a, had a tent up for four days. I want to give my family a better life. Figure out how to give yourself a better life and then serve others in the, in the same means. Like mm. mine just happened to be a more extreme case, right? Yeah. Uh, Tony Robbins, who had a, who I believe had a mom who was just like a full on like sociopath. And so look at the impact he's making. So some people will have just a greater impact. Mm. Uh, I'm not saying those dots are connected, but they might be, I don't know. He's uh, talked about it. Yeah, he actually yeah. does connect them. Yeah. Right. But I think the greater the damage, the greater the impact. There you go. Okay. You know? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's just be honest. And, and so if someone's like, well, does that mean if I've only had a three, you know, I just lived in a bad apartments, but I had loving family that, I, hey man, I don't know, you can figure it, go figure it out. But this, it doesn't mean you have to go, go look for uh, level 10 damage just so you can have level 10 impact. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's a hard and fast rule, but the bottom line is I have found the similarities that the people who have suffered the most mm -hmm. serve at the highest level. Yeah, of impact, as you said. Yeah. That makes sense. So to make it very accessible for everybody, and now let's pivot slightly into the ecosystem of our books. And this is less about, of course, yes, please, if you feel inspired to do so, pick up the books. But I think more importantly, it's about the spirit of why the book was written. And I'll tell you, like in my case, 
twofold. One is I could not go as deep about the topic of purpose if I had never lived feeling like I didn't have one. And so for me, once I actually put words to it, I went through an intentional workshop with a whole group of Simon Sinek and the whole piece when I was at the 49ers. Find your why, unearth your core values, apply them to everyday life. And it was messy, but it wasn't until I put words to it and I saw it on paper and I had a chance to act on it that I said, holy shit, I haven't been true to this stuff at all. So not a 10 pain, but it was just this deep burning pain of like shit, mm -hmm. like literally decades of my life in the rear view mirror. And I wasn't being true to my compass, that inner yeah. working of, I describe a compass, Pedro says, three layers, who we are, what we stand for and how we show up. The question is, are they connected? Mm. Are they aligned? That when I coach others to live and lead with purpose, that's it, right? So that was one piece. The second piece, and then I wanna kick it back to you, leadership. Man, the way the world describes leadership, I, I think it's bullshit. They talk about rank, role, title, authority. It's all framed as not only hierarchical, but also of others. And part of why I wrote my book was, before we lead others, we must first lead ourselves. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Nobody gave me that playbook. So like you, maybe a decade too late, I thought leadership was solely about leading others. And then I realized it starts within. It's the mirror. Yep. It's that whole piece, right? So for you, and feel free if you want to hop in on anything I just said, but also like Man Up came from a place, and I know it's been a few years since it launched, but still, brother, like that stuff is deep. Like that is entrenched in you. That is your spirit. So love to talk about kind of the inspiration, how I just said, hey, this is, the world sees the power of playing offense. I just described to you the soul of what led to the power of playing mm -hmm. offense. What led to Man Up? Um, you know, it's funny, before the camera started to roll, you said, hey, Jay says hi. I was like, Jay who? So two people ran through my head, Jay Ferrugia yeah. or Jason Redman. Um, and so both awesome dudes. And uh, so you're like, Jay Ferrugia. I'm like, oh, okay, that's right, Jay. That's right. He made the connection. It yeah, was via text yeah, yeah, or email yeah, or sure. whatever. But uh, when Jay Ferrugia found out that I had never been to a concert, I had never gone tailgating, he made it his lifelong commitment, this was about a decade ago, mm -hmm. to take me to my first concert. And I'm like, man, I don't want to go to a concert. You know, I just listen to the shit on my iPad or whatever I need to listen to. He's like, no, no, man, you got to experience a concert. So we went to, uh, he took me to an Eminem concert. That led to an Ice Cube concert. That led to going to like Jay-Z, Beyonce concert. And like, before you know it, we're like concert freaks. And one day we're actually at the Jay-Z and Beyonce concert. It's a... Uh, it's Jason Frugia, it's, and it was the, the Forum mm -hmm. in LA. Jason Frugia, his wife, Jen, my wife, Di, and then me. And we're just rocking out to the concert. Now, you look at Jason Frugia, and he's like jumping up and down and fist pumping like a 15-year-old high school girl. And then I, I'm like looking at him, and I'm so happy, and I'm nodding my head to the music. I'm just having a great time. He looks at me. And he sees that I'm not doing what he's doing. He reaches across both of our wives and slaps me in the chest. He's like, what the fuck's the matter with you? I'm like, what? And he goes, aren't you having a good time? I'm like, I'm having a great time. Yeah. It's just he was at a 10. Mm. I was experiencing everything. The way I described it to him afterwards, I'm like, bro, you experience life in technicolor. I'm more of like different shades of gray. Uh. 
it was a few, several years after that that I started working with Kevin, my therapist, to uncover this. And so when my life went from different shades of grays or black and whites to technicolor, how would I not want to share this with the world, right? And so the reason, I, I, I couldn't, and I remember telling Kevin, he's like, some good happens to you? I'm like, eh, some bad happens to me, eh, right? Like, and in that way, I kind of prided myself. Like, I'm, I've got emotional discipline. Like, I'm just, everything's good. Um, however, it is good to experience the peaks and valleys in life, man. That, that is what life is about. You need yeah. them, exactly. And so when I wrote the book, it's because there, so many men suffer in silence. And it's not just, even though the book's called Man Up, it's not just for men, but so many people suffer in silence. It's really human up to your highest potential. Yep. Right, they, we all suffer in silence, but we go, you know what, uh, I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut because other people probably have their own, they don't care, they have their own problems they're going through. Well, no, the reality is if someone would just had put out there that, you know, it's, it's, it's tough being an entrepreneur, it's tough being a married entrepreneur, it's tough being an entrepreneur who's married with kids, especially in like yeah. chaotic economies and, and the internet comes about and then marketing changes on a weekly basis and not on an annual basis. Like, no one says that to us entrepreneurs. And so, on the surface, we look like we've got it held together. We're like a duck. On the surface, we're just like cool and peaceful. But under the water surface, we're just like, ah, paddling as hard as we can, <laughs> totally. right? Trying yes. to keep the, everyone's payroll coming through and, and the mortgage is paid and, and all these things. And so, I was like, you know what? I've healed. And it's not like marketing all of a sudden got better or the business systems changed. But when, the, so you add all those complexities, you're married, you've got a family, you've got businesses, marketing changes, economy changes, all those things, and you're crippled. Ah. And you're crippled. Ah. Emotionally crippled, mentally crippled, have negative belief systems, oh, doubt every one of your moves, listen to inner dialogue that's massively negative. Holy shit, talk about a disadvantage. What if we can shut all that down, yeah. where you go, God damn it, I'm a fucking awesome cat. Mm. All these things have become infinitely easier to deal with. And that's what happened to me. And I'm like, all right, people gotta heal. I don't care if your trauma is sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, mental abuse, um, you stutter, whatever it is, heal from it and life will be better, however life looks to you, right? Mm. And so I felt like I had this duty and obligation to write Man Up, as in Man Up and address the issues that you have to address. Mm. And the reason I chose Man Up as a title is the very first conflict I had to address, because I was the king of burying my head into the sand, ignoring and avoiding, as most people like to do. We tend to ignore and avoid instead of address situations. I had a business partner in Fit Body Bootcamp when we started together. He's an awesome human being. No one has made me laugh as hard as him. I would spit coffee out of my mouth when I would laugh. However, he was a shit show of a businessman. And so I started building this massive resentment towards him. And for a couple years, I had this resentment. There was this tension between us. All the, at the time, we only had like eight or nine employees. And they could all feel the tension. And in fact, I would hear his Corvette driving up and I, my, my body would start going into this like wow. weird, anxiety mode, yet I wouldn't have the conversations. And then one day, something happened in our business where I just couldn't ignore anymore. And I texted him, it was a Saturday, I'm like, dude, can you meet me in the office? So it was like, you know, there's always that defining moment. And it it would have never happened had I addressed it two years ago, two years earlier, and said, hey, either you leave or I leave, but one of us have, we need to part ways. Totally. Right? Yeah. But instead, I texted him in an angry state and said, can you meet me in the office? He's like, yeah, sure. And the whole time while I'm driving from my house to the HQ, not this building here, but we had a little shitty place we were renting, um, 
I wanted to find a million excuses why I should cancel the meeting and text him and say, never mind, don't show up. I literally was like, okay, I'll just go to Starbucks first. Oh, let me go get gas first. And I was like, all right, I got to go there and have this conversation. So the whole time I'm driving, like, just, just man up, Beatrice. Just man up and do it. Just man up and do it. Finally, it was time to man up and take action and do it. And when I did, it wasn't as bad as I thought. And he was like, dude, okay, I get it. You're right. There is this tension between us for a couple of years. We need to part ways. Mm. I was like, what are other areas that I need to man up on? There you go. What are other things that I've been avoiding and ignoring instead of addressing that I need to actually step up to the plate and do? Because it's never as bad as it seems in that little mental picture that we draw where he gets so angry that he flips the table and he tells me I'm, I'm just a, you know, trying to take the business away from him or whatever. So I was like, dude, either you take the business or I take the business, but someone has to buy each other out because I just can't work with you like this anymore and blah, blah, blah. He's like, yeah, you're right. Neither can I. He goes, the employees like you more than me, so how about you take the business, buy me out? I was like... Sure. Mm. And I found a way to buy him out, right? So yeah. look how easy it was. Could have happened two years earlier and we could have stayed family friends. But instead, how unfortunate that we're no longer family friends. As we take a short break from today's interview, I'd like to share a quick reminder to check out the episode show notes on playmakerspod.com, where you will find a treasure trove of key insights thought starters, and additional resources from today's conversation. Also, a quick shout out to our show sponsor, Audible, who is offering each and every playmaker a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial when you visit audible.playmakerspod.com. With that, let's get back to the conversation. It's time to level up. I can appreciate where you're coming from. And I think it is easy to say the coulda, shoulda, wouldas of life, right? But at the end of the day, the cards were dealt how they were dealt. And so let me ask you this. I know a key theme of the book, and um, and then I want to close on some leadership and culture stuff before we get out. But uh, it sounds like in that opportunity of that self-talk of man up, man up, man up, man up. And finally, you grabbed your, you know, and you did it. And it wasn't as bad in your words. If there's a fork in the road, fighter jets over here, mm-hmm. crop dusters. It sounds like that was one of your many moments of life where you have stepped up to be the fighter jet that you were destined to be. I know your take on this starting with childhood, but for every playmaker out there, give us a quick hit on fighter jets versus crop dusters, kind of the childhood piece and how we, com- mm-hmm. how we can become the best version of ourselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what, dude, I'm so glad you brought that up because every one of us are meant to be a fighter jet. In fact, I'll prove to you that we are actually born as fighter jets. Mm. We, we become neutered, declawed, defanged, and become crop dusters. Here Here's an example. The moment a child, do you, have, do you have any kids? Yes. All right. Fresh into the game, seven months. There you go. So seven months ago when yeah. you're a boy or girl? Boy. So when your little boy was born seven months ago, wah, he starts crying because he's trying to get his first gasp of air. So they aspirate his, his mouth, take all the gunk out. He gets his first gasp of air because he wants air and he screams holy hell to get it. And then he's hungry. So mm-hmm. wah, he screams so loud. And we've all been in the grocery store at a restaurant when a baby needs something. <laughs> they scream so loud. Every single human goes, what the fuck? Like an airplane. When right. a baby's on an airplane, yes, done. Yes. Exactly. Uh-huh. When a baby needs something, it knows how to get it. It is a baby's a fighter jet. And so mom immediately gives it the boob, right? Or in the <laughs> middle of the night, the baby has a blowout in its diaper and it starts screaming because it's uncomfortable and gets what it wants. And as the baby gets a little older and is curious, starts wanting to poke its finger in the electrical socket and see what's on top of the table and grab it and wants to start running. And you're like, whoa, 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 slow down, watch out. Don't put your finger in there. Don't grab that. No, don't say that. It's embarrassing. 
embarrassing, you'll hurt someone's feelings. That is how we declaw, defang, and neuter our kids into, into, into crop dusters. But we are all born as fighter jets where we know what we want, we scream and fight to get it, and we're curious about exploring. That's all a fighter jet is, is yes. someone who is definitive in their purpose. A child is definitive in their fucking purpose and eating and pooping and exploring and figuring shit out. But then we go, no, don't do it because our parents told us, our grandparents told us the same things. We don't want to embarrass and or we, we, we transfer our, our identity to them. No, don't go playing sports. If you play sports, it's dangerous because I got hurt in sports, so you might get hurt. My dad told me, he goes, son, we're in California, but don't ever go to the beach. I go, why can't I go to the beach, dad? You brought us to the United States. Why can't I go to the beach? Yeah. He goes, my, my brother, so my, I guess, what would that be, an uncle? My uncle in Armenia had died. He had drowned in a lake. Uh. And my dad did not want me to go into the beach. And in fact, when I secretly bought a boogie board and he found it, he beat the shit out of me. Talk about transferring feelings and declining and, and new. Today, one of the funnest things I do is surf. As, as often as I can. That, that is like active meditation for me. Yeah. Imagine having that taken away from me as a child. I share this with you because we are all meant to be fighter jets. We are all meant to be definitive in our purpose, know what we want, and the radiance. Remember you said, hey, you're, you were with, was it the Rams, or who are you with? Uh, 49ers. 49ers. Yeah. With the 49ers, you're like, but I'm, I, I know there's something more for me, right? Yeah. That is called the radiance, that radiance. And if you imagine the radiance as like this glowing light in your gut, Everyone has that gnawing feeling where you're like, you're doing something and you're making good money or you're happy with your life because you have everything all your other neighbors have. You got the boat, you got the payments, you got the car, you, everything looks the part. But, but you're in a position where you feel this gnawing of greatness within you, but you ignore it and avoid it. I call it's the radiance, it's this glowing light. And the more little blankets you can put on that light, the dimmer the light gets, correct? Yeah. And those little layers of material that we put on. I just look at like handkerchief, like a black handkerchief and another black handkerchief, and soon the light disappears, radiance disappears. That, those things are uh, you know, alcoholism and pornography and food and distractions from, with social media. And let me figure out if, if Biden's the guy or not. Who gives a shit? He got elected, he didn't get elected, it was all rigged. He doesn't control your economy, you control your economy, yep. not him yep. anyway. But all, we put all these things there and, uh, and then we get ourselves into debt. That's another thing we put on there. And then we, we upgrade the kitchen when we couldn't afford to upgrade the kitchen. Why don't you upgrade your fucking salary and your income first before you upgrade the kitchen uh, by taking out debt. So all these things mute your radiance and then people start feeling anxious and depressed and they go, I don't know why I feel this way. Because you feel the gnawing of greatness in your gut, but you've covered up your radiance so much you're afraid to take action. And you weren't, and so you took action, you wrote an amazing book, and that's why it's impacting lives. Hmm. So good, so good, yeah. At the end of the day, whose terms are you living on? Right. And to your point, you start and you understand how to influence your terms, some would say control your terms, and then we get away from it, and then can we ever get back on that treadmill of impact? And hey man, I think, look, you and I, our mission is to get as many folks in that as possible. So, all right, so we wanna be fighter jets. Let's, uh, in the home stretch here, convert this to business. 
We've talked a lot about life, which don't get me wrong, personal development turns into professional transformation, as mm -hmm. I say. So this all is an inside game, 100%. But give uh, Playmakers a quick background, uh, just in terms of Fit Body Bootcamp. Like, give us the, the quick, if I was introducing you on a stage, and hey, my quick humble brag on business is, I, I am a part of this, and then I wanna ask a question about how we build a culture of leadership within your businesses. But just give us a background of your quick business bio. I mean, the business bio to me is just a, a, a means to an end. So yeah. I'm the founder and no longer the CEO as of a month and a half ago. Oh, I'm right. the founder and president of Fit Body Bootcamp International, international okay. fitness franchise, boutique gyms worldwide. Yeah. Um, also the founder and CEO of Truline Supplements that within two years became an eight-figure supplement company during COVID. Um, uh, now own equity in an awesome apparel company called Fuel Hunt, own equity in this amazing software company called uh, FitPro Tracker that is gonna change the way gyms and spas are run. Uh, about to take equity in a brewing company, which is just this like, you know, veteran-owned, veteran-operated brewing company. Love that. And um, have this, you know, great personal development program that I've developed for men called The Project, which is a 75-hour uh, very physically, emotionally, mentally violent experience for men where this next class actually starts next week. It's our biggest class of 30 men go through the 75 hour experience together with about a 40% dropout rate, a Navy SEAL. Uh, so my instructors include a Navy SEAL, okay. uh, former SWAT operator, uh, a very angry, angry, angry Marine, uh, angry Marine. Uh, who's, that's four in case yeah. you're counting it on, that's four angries, um, yes. A, a very holistic MMA fighter who's connected to the Brotman, uh, and then me. Uh, okay. I just wanna help people make money and have meaning. And the five instructors uh, take these group of men yeah. through a 75 hour experience and those who graduate at the end of the 75 hours, you know, shower up, put on a black suit, black tie. Um, and uh, we have an amazing steak dinner and they're part of a, and we talk, you know, while it's very violent, ice baths and truck pulls and take them to the beach and the Navy SEAL tries to drown them, jokingly, but not really, uh, all these things. It's also, because men need to go through this, men need to be tested by fire. The problem is that men have gotten so soft and fragile, they no longer test themselves. Mm. And so while I have all these big businesses, Fit Body Bootcamp, Truline, and then, you know, Fuel Hunt, and all yeah. these, they just fund my passion project, which is the project, mm. where I get to, five times a year, I get to help men have these amazing breakthroughs in 75 hours and not you know over 75 days. Um, but it is a very physically, mentally, emotionally violent experience. And I recommend it for no one. That, no, I mean, I, that's, a, that's enough violence out there. I think you just scared that 90% of the audience, but to that point, you only want the 10% of I only want the so, 10%. So it's all good, yeah. it served yeah. its purpose. Yeah. All right, so quick business hit. If you were to say of all the things you've learned, and, and just like, man, we're all in the same tribe. I've learned more what not to do than what to do, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's the whole piece of, am I aware enough to realize it is the bigger question and bigger piece. But for you, for all the peaks, all the valleys specific to business, if you were coaching somebody up and saying, look, if I had a few mi minutes to teach you two to three things that I did not know in my earlier stages of my career, but I know to be true now, here is some wisdom for a couple minutes on how to become the best version of yourself in business. What would you share? 
Uh, number one, I've made all my hundreds of millions of dollars by taking the complex and making it simple. Most people, when they start out as entrepreneurs, take a very simple business model and make it complex and overwhelm themselves. So go back and take your complex idea and make it simple. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is find a problem that people have that is a hard problem to solve and be the solution to it. Yeah. In my case, we knew that women didn't like going to big box gyms. They didn't like looking at themselves in the mirror, especially women who had had babies. When they do jumping jacks, they pee a little bit because they've had babies. And so we knew exactly who our avatar was. So we created Fit Body Bootcamp, which is group training. It's a non-intimidating environment for women who want to get results without having to be in a big box gym and feeling intimidated. Yeah. All of a sudden, Fit Body Bootcamp grows super quickly and hits the Inc. 5000 list, hits the Inc. 500 list, virtually overnight, but it's because I was very specific in who my avatar was mm -hmm. and kept my business model simple. No juice bars, no multiple showers, no kids club, none of that stuff. 3,000 to 4,000 square feet, functional training where we focus on workouts, nutrition, and mindset so that you can keep coming back and we build a tribe of women who love each other up. Yep, yep. And so that was Fit Body Bootcamp with my Truline Supplement Company. I'm like, all right, we're not going to sell everything under the sun. In fact, we're not even going to sell anything that's like touted as fat burning. It's just going to be high quality protein powders and hydration because 75% of humans are chronically uh, dehydrated, dehydrated which yep. means they are functioning at a slower level on every capacity and mental uh, capacity uh, and other metabolism etc but the difference between our supplement company and everyone else is that we're going to use grass-fed whey protein we're not going to use there's no hormones there's no additives uh, no chemicals no artificial sweeteners all monk fruit and stevia and people are like that's going to be expensive that's right I'm going to sell the most expensive supplement line but it's going to be a supplement line that I could feed my daughter my son my grandparents uh, anybody and lo and behold we found our niche market and, yeah, yeah. and so but people will take this big complex idea or a simple idea and make it so complex that they then it becomes overwhelming and then they go well so hey like you I want to be an entrepreneur where I have multiple companies great do it start your fit body create your truly and create your but mm. I have a leader in every single one of my companies like I said with fit body bootcamp I just upgraded my VP to the CEO position, Bryce, he's, yep. he's my CEO. Aaron is the uh, VP of Truline Supplements. Uh, Joey and, and, uh, and his cousin run the apparel company Fuel Hunt, which by the way, in two years, three years, went from $0 to $1.7 million in this awesome Holy brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so like all I do is I surround myself with leaders and I delegate, but mm. all that happened when I'm like very clear on what the vision's gonna be for that company. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and the yes. leaders that I surround myself with are bought into my vision, right? That's the key. Because if you try and if I try and run every single company, my wife's going to divorce me. I'm going to see my kids every Wednesday and every other weekend. Yeah. Like, who the fuck wants that? Yeah. No, and actually, and we'll close on this. Before you even came in the studio, we were chatting it up here with your amazing team. And we had an analogy which speaks to what you just said. You know, there's two types of cultures. Those where you say to your team as a leader, here's the playbook, go execute. Or where you include them in the process of what do we need to do more, better, different. In other words, are there fingerprints on the blueprint? So here's the playbook, go execute fingerprints on the blueprint, which culture do you think wins? Right. It's yeah. not even close. And I know, because I've led both. I'll say this, I managed the first, I led the second. Yeah, is that funny? Yeah. yeah Who wants to be a just, manager of people? Oh gosh, yeah. It's, like, I love saying like, guys, th this is what we want to do. Like we want to have 2,500 Fit Body Bootcamp locations by this date. 
cool. And then they go, hey, what if we try this and this and this? Like recently, one of my team members, Lauren up there, she's like, have we tried Pinterest for supplements, for the Truly Supplement line? I'm like, I don't think so, Aaron, have we? Nope. <laughs> Dude, it's getting four and a half times the return. For every dollar spend, we get $4.50 back. I would have never fucking thought about I was going to say, if every idea came from you, no offense, Dude. you're probably not on Pinterest. <laughs> Dude, if you had asked me about how many cameras we need for a podcast, I'd say, uh, uh, one. How many faces do I have? But three cameras, three angles work out better, and these guys know it. And so, absolutely, uh, yeah, hundred no, percent. The wisdom is in the room, always. Yeah. Wisdom is in the room. Pedros, on behalf of all playmakers out there, brother, thank you for helping us level up in business, in life. Thank you for being vulnerable and courageous to share what you did. And just know that I love the Latin definition of inspire, which is to breathe life into. You inspired and you breathe life into every single playmaker out there. So thank you, brother. Thank you, sir. Appreciate Absolutely. you, Paul. Cool. Loved what you just heard? Share it with another playmaker. And if you gain significant value from today's episode and genuinely feel that you have leveled up, would so appreciate if you gave us a five-star rating. For all of today's show notes, head over to playmakerspod.com where you can not only enjoy additional resources from this show, but all previous episodes as well. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you tune in from. And on a personal note, I'd love to connect one-to-one. Hit me up anytime on LinkedIn at Paul Epstein or Instagram at Paul Epstein Speaks. Playmakers is produced by Detroit Podcast Studios in collaboration with Purpose Labs. Wishing you a high impact week of action and purpose. See you next time on Playmakers.